this is Jan Swift. Thank you for listening to the special edition of Discover Lafayette that we did with the late Hammy Davis back in 2018. Hammy Davis exemplified the spirit of Lafayette, and he shared not only his heart, but his business acumen with others as he worked to make our community great. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Thank you for listening. Our guest today is R. Hamilton Davis, known to everyone as Hammy, a native of Lafayette and a graduate of LSU and Tulane Law School. Hammy knows the ins and outs of the Acadiana economy and the real estate market. Having worked in real estate for more than 20 years, he's developed a reputation as a subject matter expert in all facets of the real estate industry. As a longtime commercial agent, first with Caldwell Banker Pelican Real Estate, which is now under the umbrella of Ladder and Bloom, Hammy has his hand on the pulse of the Acadiana economy. He's an active member of our community, and he gives back generously of his time through service on various boards, which we'll touch on in the interview. Hammy, welcome to Discover Lafayette. Well, Jan, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. I'm, I'm delighted. We've... Uh, We've been friends for quite a while. We met as younger lawyers. I'm, you know, kind of dating myself. I moved here in 1983, and I think you got out of law school maybe in 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that That's right? Correct. And we met not long thereafter and became friends. You and your wife Angie, my husband John, and it's been a delight to watch you first in law practice, and then moving into the commercial real estate business. So, if you would open up by telling us about your background. Well, thank you. You know, like many political science majors, we kind of think about what our next track would be, and many talk about law school. At that point in time, my dad was still alive. He died in 1983, my freshman year in law school, and um, always wanted us to have an advanced degree, went and got a law degree, and obviously after kind of felt the need to, uh, to practice, I practiced with Tony Morrow, Ross Brubacher, Jimmy DiMaggio. Bob Wright, some legends, some really fine, fine people, and really made a difference Mm -hmm. in my life. Uh, Stuck with it for about 12 years, and the really turning point came to me was I began to invest in real estate and hired brokers, real estate brokers, and I loved it. I loved what they were doing and kind of said, in law, so often we said uh, a good settlement was everybody was unhappy, Mm -hmm. and in real estate... I, to this day, believe that everybody should leave happy. If they don't want to do a transaction, no one's going to run them down. Just walk away. Right. Be right. happy. It should be something <laughs> you want to do. Yeah. Right. So that's what got me to kind of my turning mm-hmm. point and um, have loved the real estate business ever since. It's just been so great. I remember when I heard you were full-time real estate, and it seemed as though a uh, weight had been lifted from you. Um, there's nothing wrong with the practice of law, but like you said, it can be stressful. And uh, I've just watched you flourish. And you've really, I don't know if it was your contacts or your love of the industry, but you've done extremely well in your practice. Well, thank you. Yeah. I have been blessed. It's yeah. been great. Well, let's talk about your family. I knew your mother, Beverly Davis, who was also in real estate. That's how I met her. And you come from a large family. We're eight brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. I have uh, my oldest brother, Hampton, mm-hmm. who is a, a Catholic priest and so blessed. He's at Our Lady, Queen of Peace on Martin Luther King, and and what a blessed place that is, as well as he has been such a, a great uh, mentor for all of us. Mm-hmm. My second brother, Hodges, is an orthopedic surgeon up in Charlotte, and then I'm number three, 
after me is my sister Barbara. She actually took up the real estate mantle in the last five years, moved from Montgomery, Alabama to New Orleans. And my sister Bev lives up in Kansas City. And um, she has five children. All of us averaged four or five kids. <laughs> We've all been blessed. Um, Catholics. So. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Taylor, who lives mm-hmm. here in town, he's with Northwestern Mutual and has just been so wonderful to be able to have our families grow up together. And uh, Bonnie lived in Germany and is now back in the States in Fort Lauderdale. And Becky lives up in northern Michigan. Yeah. And she's got a beautiful family there. So it's, yeah. it's been great. I tell you, between the text and the emails, we have been able to keep in such wonderful touch. That's great. Yeah. It's been great. I miss your mother. I was so sorry uh, to learn of her passing. And then I didn't know your father. He was a surgeon. Can you talk about him? My father died in 1983. He he, he got hepatitis in a surgical procedure. Oh, my gosh. So started to experience hepatitis B in the, the late 70s, 78 uh, was 77 to 78, and then really uh, game w- was cured. Uh, he still had the, mm-hmm. the, the B, um, hepatitis B, and then practiced for another couple of years, and then he ended up with hepatoma, which is cancer of the liver, and, and so he ended up dying from that. Oh, I know that your mother, I'd always hear her say, you know, he left me. I know how much she loved him, and loved he loved all of you, and... Well, thank you for your memory because that is the case. That's right. She absolutely uh, loved him to death, and we did too. Yeah. It was very young, and we still had, you know, when I was finishing uh, undergrad, still had uh, four, you know, yet to educate. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mama did it. She got in the real estate business after working a piece of eight very briefly, Mm -hmm. and she was a killer. She She was a killer. She worked her tail off. She had all the skills and everything you can learn from Zig Ziglar to, you know, many of the great positive Mm -hmm. thinkers of our time. My mother did it innately, and she was an inspiration to us all. And really, I give a lot of the credit for my success Mm -hmm. to her. She was just such a good influence. Right. Let's let's talk about the the real estate market uh, that you're in. You know, Louisiana and Lafayette in particular have had a, a tough go the past two to three years, if not a little bit more. Would you talk about where we are in 2018 and some of the trends you've seen where you think our market is and maybe what we can look forward to? Well, as you look around, you see a lot of these retail plays, the Costco's and the success of Ambassador Caffrey. Um, all those decisions were made kind of pre-downturn of the oil and gas mm-hmm. industry. The retail market has clearly filled up real positively. Mm-hmm. And I think we've probably seen uh, probably the last for some time of the big um, development plays like the Costco Center, the uh, Whole Foods mm-hmm. play. Uh, you think as, we're tapped right now? I, I think so. You've seen a lot of the big boxes come in. I think mm-hmm. they've still got some room to come back to where their original expectations were. But a lot of those developments were not done without deals uh, already signed, and and Mm -hmm. so those people were committed. Um, We are an oil and gas community. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It has changed significantly in the last four years. I used to run around talking about our industrial infrastructure and the fact that so many people were producing products that were used to service 
of so many of the frack mm-hmm. plays around the country, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. North Dakota, West Texas. And what's happened in those two years since the other frack plays, other than West Texas, went down, mm-hmm. so much of that infra- infrastructure and industrial infrastructure was built on site in those communities. And so what you've got is a lot less of the work being done here in Lafayette, Louisiana, four places mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's hurt our industrial market, clearly. I think so many people have kept their buildings here, so we haven't seen like a mass exodus in the sense that people are selling their facilities. Everybody's kept a presence in Lafayette with the hopes that when the offshore industry comes back mm-hmm. or— you know, all, all the other frack plays, and uh, really the one frack play that could really make a difference in this market is just north of town, the old Austin Chalk, which was an original discovery made back in the 70s and 80s. They're reworking which, it. Which they're reworking. To, mm-hmm. they, they really believe it could be a, a massive, you know, uh, find and frack. Uh-huh. And once again, it's a little deeper than most. Where is it? It's north of town. It's Marksville, Melville. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so if that came through, it really could make a difference. But yeah. it's slow moving in terms of getting there. The few wells that have gone into play have been have been good wells, but not world beaters. Mm-hmm. You've got about a million and a half acres that have been leased there. A lot of your major players are in, in, in the market, as well as a lot of New York money. So if, in fact, that could be a real mm-hmm. deal changer. But for the market right now, where we are, it's been flat for the last three years. We have had some times where people have gotten energized over uh, different things, but mostly the price of oil, making a move, making mm-hmm. a pretty strategic move up. Um, so I think that's made a difference. So much of the psychology of real estate has been in play these last three years. People feeling good about where they are Mm -hmm. and maybe making a change or doing something different or maybe saying something to their customers about what they feel. And that sometimes can get, you know, very difficult. You know, your customer sees you move into a new building and say, wow, he doesn't need me anymore. Or maybe making a statement to the positive that, look, guys, we're on... We're on the front end of technology. This yeah. is where our new building makes that statement. So it's an it's an interesting time. Uh, um, I think that, um, as I tell people all the time, these new technology companies that have come to town, including the Raider Solutions Solutions and their growth, mm-hmm. we need some of these young people to fall in love with these beautiful Southern women. That's our hope well, here. Well, that's an easy sell on that, Jan. You I know. Mean, that's... <laughs> That's what we need. We need yep. I tell people all the time, I hope the geeks fall in love with these beautiful women because yeah. we need them here. We love them. These it, geeks. What do you think about that, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. They, have been, they have been so good to this community, and they're yeah. bringing a different salary oh my than we're we used to. And, yeah. Uh, we're right across the street here at Raider Solutions from CGI. I mean, yes. it's, they're booming. Uh, a bunch of geeks over there, huh? And I, you know, I'm saying that because you said it, but it's a beautiful those thing. Those are the kind of geeks we want. Let me tell you, smart men. And hug women. them every time you see yeah. them because we love it. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. But that's not enough at this point to really revitalize the the commercial sector. I guess is what you're saying. But boy, I just I just see so many neat things happening with mm-hmm. that technology yeah. uh, that that starts to put us on somebody's map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do see the economic development people and the uh, uh, one Acadiana. I see them working so hard. Yeah, yeah. I just I wonder whether some of the negatives are catching up with us, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of our tax base and things such as that. I yeah. just I just worry. We'll that, see with the legislature. We were talking about that before taping. Right. Hopefully, um, there'll be some focus on longer term solutions where people can feel okay. It's settled. I can invest. Right. And know where my money's going. You know, locally, um, I've been seeing there's several uh, apartment complexes going up. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of hotels being built. So that end seems to have been steady. Is that what you're seeing? Are you uh, familiar with that market? Apartments have been the darling of the investment world. Mm-hmm. So there is so much money out there, not only federally backed money, HUD loans, as well as uh, what we call tax credit properties, uh, but also just more conventional apartments. Mm-hmm. Once again, they, like you would expect in any industry, the modernization of apartment complexes has come with amenities yep. that others aren't able to add. So it has been uh, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I think their occupancy has been solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably where you're seeing the occupancy fall off or, or maybe complexes built in the 70s and 80s. Um, so, yes, apartments have been yeah. very solid. And they are upscale. Um, I did a report on some of this for a local TV station, and I was surprised. We were talking about affordable housing being an issue, and these new apartment complexes are gorgeous, but they are upscale. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what they do, it's going to make the ones built in the 70s look a little bit, you know, less desirable, although they're nice. We've got all these, you know, Bayou Shadows and others have kept up right in the center of town. But the new complexes going in are not being built for that affordable level, you know, for, a, um, I guess, a middle-income selection. Right. So is that what you're seeing? And I am seeing that the tax, when I say tax credit properties, these are developers that go around the country and have to build in a certain rent range. In other words, they take an average... Uh, income level mm-hmm. from the community that they're building in, mm-hmm. and that's where their rent comes from. At the okay, rent level, and uh, just been with a couple of from Little Rock, Arkansas, over the last two weeks. The fondest people I've ever met, mm-hmm. but they understand what they've got to build in order to be able to get into the rent range that they mm-hmm. need to be at. What's the median um, income? Is it about fifty something? It just depends. Yeah. We, you know, we've been in Youngsville, we've been in Lafayette. So you look at the particular yes. zip code. Yeah, you do. Uh-huh. Now, when before they come to town, the federal government issues a map and tells them where the more preferable area that they would want them to locate it, uh-huh. and then they give a secondary location. After that, they give them points, and it's all about points for the different amenities that they would be within a mile of. So it's it's points. Uh, if you can find a piece of property with a home that's blighted and you're going to mm-hmm. remove that blighted property, you get more points for that. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. It but is necessary interesting. to yeah. get, get something affordable because today I've found that um, housing costs mm-hmm. are just such a big number and way out of whack with the amount of money that people yeah. are making. Yeah. And therefore, the percentage of what they're making going towards housing mm-hmm. Is way way over the thirty percent recommended. Uh, Absolutely, uh-huh, of your income. Yes, I, I was unaware of, um, and I know that you've you've got to focus personally on poverty and helping the working poor. But I was personally unaware of how many jobs you had to work if you're a minimum wage employee to be able to get into an apartment. 
I mean, people are having to partner with friends and extended family to be able to get into afford, you know, to afford housing. And I know you see that probably in your work. Jan, it is overwhelming how expensive it is to live. Mm-hmm. I've got five children, all of them in college. I understand the real life uh, obligations that we all live with. But can you imagine making minimum wage Mm-mm. and trying to support any of your children? And you get a flat tire, can't make it to work. You it's know, unbelievable. It's I'll a- tell you the biggest impediment to men today and their ability to take a job outside of minimum wage it's transportation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get on the bus route and go work, you're going to make minimum wage. You may make a little more. But I will tell you, for a guy who needs to make $14, $15 an hour and be able to travel out to Karen Crow or right. Broussard or the, the Port of Iberia, I mean, that's a major undertaking. You have got to have wheels. Mm-hmm. you got to have transportation. Right. That's what hurts people. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to jump into that? I want to ask him other questions about real estate, but let's kind of hone in on that. You've been active with United Way. You served as board chair. I know that you've worked um, with other nonprofits, and you're currently on the board of Catholic um, Services. I think it's going to be renamed Catholic Charities of Acadiana. On June 20th, there's going to be a celebration. Um, So congratulations on that. But you've, you've somewhat, you're dedicating your time to looking at this issue and helping the working poor. What what prompted that? Is it your work in real estate or just your your faith? No, I'm a liberal at heart. You I are. Just, I am such a believer that if we don't lift up that bottom end, mm-hmm. we're gonna pay. I don't know that it's, that's being liberal. Though, oh, to be it's got Well, I can tell you that sometimes the government has been the one lifting them up mm-hmm. through food stamps and through mm-hmm. other methods. Uh, so, but I, I would say that. Um, it is the scariest thing that I can look at today, and that is the working poor. Mm-hmm. How does that guy get out of the trap? And is he one mistake away from being in it forever yeah. and never getting out? Medical emergencies. Oh. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Unexpected. It affects everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it affects every number you look at, every number you see out of Medicare, Medicaid, every number you look at out of Social Security in terms of the ability for them to to be a, a member and a player. It, it affects everything we do, mm-hmm. that lower end, crime, uh, you know, all these congenital uh, uh, generational poverty, all the congenital health problems, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things are feed in to what what we as middle, upper class, whatever you are, mm-hmm. you're going to be you. paying for it. Yeah. It's going to affect you. Right. We all need to get engaged. Because if we allow this to happen, that the upper class owns over 60% of the assets, one and one and a half percent, and then that that, that bottom in, right. it's just... It's not. It's unsustainable. It really is. It's only my observation. It's a personal one, um, but I feel that for our state to be consistently ranked last, we have to ask, who are we being compared to? Because our generational poverty is so deep, and such a large part of our population, that it's it's almost like just going up that perpetual mountain. You know, trying to lift more than you can lift, and. Um, I don't know. I'm just glad we have people like you that want to make a difference, Hammy, because it's it's going to it's going to take a concerted effort of all of us. We tend to get insulated when we live in our own little bubbles. We don't see the day to day struggle of the working poor. And that is the beauty of the nonprofits mm-hmm. like 
United Way exactly. of Acadiana. Those men and women are so dedicated to mm-hmm. continuing to keep focused on the people who can't keep focused. Right. They're running all the time just to make a living. Somebody needs to be there mm-hmm. looking at it, making sure that there's a concerted effort to help and make sure we're not duplicating each yeah. other's efforts. That's the one thing. And people always say, you know, the way of Acadiana, oh, they've got a big administrative cost. That's the best dollar we spend. And I never would have known that without spending the time right. with Margaret Traw and her staff. It's unbelievable the money that they make better by getting it focused in the right place mm-hmm. and making the best with right. that money. Right. And then I feel the same way with the Catholic, uh, Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is uh, Kim Boudreaux. She's awesome. And the people that yeah. we help mm-hmm. is overwhelming. Right. The mission of that organization. It's so proud. It's, it's great. And both of, the, both of those groups depend on private dollars. Um, I know a lot of people think Catholic services was, uh, you know, fed by the diocese. But, in fact, it's a separate budget. And I know United Way has been hurt by the downturn in our economy. And hopefully that's going to start going back up this year. Um, well, I hope so. But when uh-huh. you lose the stone oil, yeah. I mean, you know, those people, I think the last year I was on the board, they gave eight hundred thousand dollars. Our budget was, I think, about three four to three six. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about what a loss like Stone, yeah. Dave Welch, those people, that entire company. It was in their DNA, mm-hmm. all of them. Today, yeah. I walk around their building. Uh, you know, they've only got uh, they twenty out? employees uh-huh. left over there. Mm-hmm. And every one of them, just that you should see their commitment and cared about what we were doing yeah. at United Way. It was impressive. Right. It is impressive. It's impressive with the with the few public companies we've still got here mm-hmm. and the, the new work that some of these new companies are doing. Right. Yeah, it's exciting, but we're going to miss. Yeah, miss, miss the stones. big ones. But I do want to put in a plug for Raider Solutions. They've stepped up helping with the cheering, the chili cook-off, and working with other um, fundraisers on behalf of United Way. But it's going to take a team of Raider Solutions to, you know, to get, get those numbers back up. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell, just quickly, what is uh, United Way focused on, the three E's? Is it earnings? Uh, education, earnings. Essentials. Is essentials. that right? Yes. Were you on the board when that big transition took place? I know they really decided to... Fine-tune their focus so they can be more effective. I was on the board for nine years. And (laughs) so right when all that had come into play, Uh Mm -hmm. they said, let's not be everything to everybody. Let's focus on what the community is telling us is important. Right. And it it was impressive. Uh, that My years in United Way Mm -hmm. have been fantastic. They really have changed just the prism from which I look at things because of their their influence. Right. Yeah. So now you're on the Catholic um, Services of Acadiana Board, soon to be Catholic Charities, uh, or maybe it is already Catholic Charities. Would you talk about that just briefly, Hammy, what that group is doing and why you want to serve um, assisting Kim Boudreaux with Catholic Charities? That's truly on the ground of feeding and um, housing Housing. the poor. We're big believers that the one place you can help a homeless person is to give him a roof over his head. Can you imagine being sleeping on the ground and having to make decisions the next day about what you're going to do with your life, how you're going to get a better life in mm-hmm. terms of earnings? It, it, it's just impossible. 
And so I, I really believe that they're with, it, with our philosophy, and that is to get some people so they can get a good night's rest where they don't have to wake up in the middle of the night and worry about somebody taking what they have or getting beat or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing how different people are once they've rested and understood that they didn't have to run, but rather people are going to be there to love them. Right. Uh, it's it's changed so many people's lives. It's beautiful. And there's so many ways we can volunteer, whether it's serving at St. Joseph Steiner, where it's a minor commitment or, or more long-term commitments. I, I believe in what they're doing also. Yeah, I, great. I grew up Catholic and uh, I'm Methodist now, you know, because of my marriage, which I love. But I helped Kim last year with some things and it really reignited my understanding of the Catholic faith mm. and the service to, to every, every um, human life deserving dignity and, and respect. Yes. So thank you for all you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure and honor. Yeah. yeah. You've also served uh, on the Lafayette Education Foundation Board. Uh, so that's a big plus for the teachers in our community. That must have been fun. That was, you know, when I was there, it was very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was probably their second or third year. At that point in time, we were giving away grants, but very impressive mm-hmm. what they've done. Yeah. They were the leader uh, in bringing Leader and Me, which has turned out to be their project as well as the United Way's mm-hmm. project. I didn't realize that. Yes. They were the first people who brought it here. And, uh, Stephen Covey's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if any of you have it. not seen it, heard it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People. Uh, a young teacher, principal from North Carolina, who they had said they were ending her school because of its poor performance. She goes to a Covey presentation. She walks away from the seven habits saying, man, we could give these to kids. And so he looks at her and says, well, why don't you go design it? Mm-hmm. And she does. And it is unbelievable what it'll do. And any of, we're going to bring it, uh, United Way is going to bring it to every uh, school uh, as a result of some unbelievable, wonderful people. But um, they're going to bring it to every school. And if you ever have a granddaughter, grandson going to public school, ask them about the Leader in Me program. It yeah. is wonderful. And it affects all of us. I think the kids learn that during the day, the win-win solutions, and they bring it into their, their homes, their families. That's right. And it spreads. But I think mm. it takes root with little people. You know, if they can grow up with that, I think our world would be a better place. So, You're right. Yeah. 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 Well, tell me, um, do you have advice for people that might be going into real estate? What um, You obviously enjoy what you do, and it's, it's afforded you the lifestyle, Hammy, to where you can enjoy yourself and give back to the community. So would you, do you have advice for people that are considering a career, whether residential or commercial? I don't know if you've done any residential work. I have been so blessed and would recommend anybody go spend some time with someone who does it and see if that's what you enjoy because it is people 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 you've really got to dig in analytically I think that uh, you know I do think there's an intellectual pursuit in real estate understanding both the investment side as well as Mm -hmm. as an end user but uh, I think more than anything else you just got to love the the pace of it which is very fast moving every phone call can mean money everything you do during the day can can change mm-hmm. the way uh, your day's going and things go mm-hmm. in terms of business so it's real 
short-term business propositions going on all the time. Keeping the balls up in and the air. Huh? Exactly. And that, to me, is fun. I uh-huh. mean, you will definitely never get bored. Uh, but it isn't for everybody. But it's for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot I, of people. I practice real estate law, as you know. And I was really... It was interesting to watch the difference between a residential transaction and commercial because of commercial, like you said, it's really a it's a business transaction. You've got to do your due diligence. It's making the numbers work, whatever, you know, getting zoning right. And with residential, it's still a business transaction, but you can focus more just on do they qualify for financing? Did it pass inspection? You know, to me, it was just two different mindsets that would work between residential and commercial. Do you see many agents uh, working in both, or do they tend to pick? They have some real Mm -hmm. good agents doing both. Mm -hmm. The good thing about commercial is there's time for you to say no. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that all the time. At no cost, you could still say no. And I think that that makes everyone relax a little Mm -hmm. bit. They they do their work in terms of making sure it's the right thing for them. Mm Uh, but but they, they're not under that that ten day period where yeah. you got to move and yeah. so once you go into contract and, and commercial, a totally different mm-hmm. uh, due diligence. Right. Yeah. You think any of your kids might follow you in uh, in real estate? Anybody? So interesting. My son's with me this uh, this month. And, uh, Is his name Happy? Happy, <laughs> Happy. Yeah. He just moved from Australia. He was I heard in he Australia has a beard. for a couple of years. Yep. He's definitely got looking a very like nice his dad. Beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, it could happen. Yeah, I can see them with their personalities. Uh, you know, I could see them doing uh-huh, it. Yeah, smart. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's. You know, once again, I'm one of those fathers who just wants them to see what I do, and if they want to come, I'd love to have yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, don't anybody doing it because of me. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's had fun. Mm-hmm. Um, may take it in another direction. He's kind of talking about maybe flipping houses or doing something different. He, Moving to a bigger city, I think that that's real attractive to kids today. You yeah, know, they, they 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 want that bing 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 bing. You know, activity things, mm-hmm. options. Yeah, they want it. And, and I think uh, with Lafayette on this trend with uh, tech, you know, we're we're going to offer that. And uh, yeah, but right now the world is his oyster. Yeah, while he's young, so. I'm going to tell you, this city is so on fire on the music scene oh my and gosh. the food scene. Yeah. It's, it's so exciting. Um, just We just recently had that South Louisiana uh, Songwriters Festival. Oh, had awesome. Mark Broussard and Mark Falgo in here talking about it. I don't think people realize the big things happening. And they're, they're new, so yeah. people aren't quite as aware of it as they will be in a few years. But we are really on the radar internationally I know. for our we've culture got, and music and food. And we've got that for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And I think this year was a time where we all got to know what it was all about. Yeah. The Methodist Church on the Friday, they had kind of a, the best songs that yeah. people had written. First church what downtown. A venue. Uh-huh. It was just so cool. They had a little baby grand sitting in the sanctuary, and then the candles lit, mm-hmm. and then they had different groups coming up. The songs were just they were awesome. Yeah, what a great partnership, huh? Oh, it's fantastic. I know. And Mark and them did did the greatest with yeah. the first year being right yeah. they did i'm glad that they invested um themselves to make that happen yes, so, absolutely yeah so obviously you love living in lafayette can i make that an affirmative yeah, statement <laughs> i do i love it i think i just hope we don't take our pauses for granted as well as you know i just believe we're at a crossroads somewhat in this city where 
we have got to sell ourselves mm -hmm. uh, a little bit differently. And uh, I, I, I love the one Acadiana group and love the economic development people, but it it sometimes comes from within. I think that when we do meet people and see people, we got to talk about our positives. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy to get drained by the negativity that maybe is coming out of state government or even uh, on the federal level of just, you know, the ind indecision as well as the, uh, you know, people not necessarily seeing eye to eye. But mm -hmm. this is a community that, that will live uh, another day. And I just want to make sure that we're as positive as possible about right. what we got going on. Lafayette's always been a gem that has stood out from the rest of the state. And I think from our early leaders making this the hub city, Hammy, uh, starting Lafayette Utility System because... They weren't big enough to have somebody come set it up. I think we've historically shown that things can be done, and uh, I'm very proud to live here, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, Discover Lafayette. I think the spoken word of people like you will carry, and the pride you have and what you offer our community is attractive, and um, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. I just think we can't, we can't rely on others to talk about how special we are. I think we can tell the story and weave that fabric. And, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, I agree that I'm honored to be uh, oh my in the seat. Thank you for really thank it. you for making time today. And before we shut down the interview, we're here with Jason Sikora, who works with Raider Solutions. And Jason, thank you again for producing oh, no problem. the you. show. Sometimes Jason will listen and and have questions. I don't know if you had any today. I, I have two in regard to commercial real estate, specifically here in Lafayette. A follow up to yours. Um, you had asked advice for somebody who wants to get into it, and you mentioned how you really have to, you have to love it. What do you love most specifically about commercial real estate in Lafayette? And then also, what do you hate the most about real estate? Uh, great question. The thing I love the most is you're generally dealing with people who are growing. Either okay. that or making initial decisions about what they hope to be, uh, what they would love to be their future. Mm -hmm. uh, that's exciting. And then when you watch people making a change, that always forces them to think a little differently about what their growth is going to look like. So I love that process. I just think that's uh, um, usually pretty positive. Mm -hmm. um, the thing I don't like is people don't want to move as fast as I do in terms of <laughs> city government, whatever. And that's just yeah. part of the process. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a little bit of impatience and feel like things should be a little more streamlined, oh, that's an easy decision, and sometimes it isn't. So it's really one of my, uh, probably my faults. But uh, I just think that if you're gonna have someone who wants to make a decision and wants to move, you gotta move at their pace, and sometimes mm -hmm. that's fast. Mm -hmm. Most business owners are ADD as can be, so they want, a, <laughs> they want a responsiveness, and we hope to give it to them, but sometimes, Mm -hmm. It's it's not possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you've been doing this for 20 years, you said? Yeah, 20 plus. Okay. So what's the biggest change in commercial business and real estate that you've seen over the past 20 years? Like something that you were doing back then that you wouldn't even think about doing now. Yeah. i tell you, the competition's differently in my business on the brokerage side. <clears throat> we have got some superior agents in town now. Uh, the, the number of agents when I first started uh, was real small in terms of the people doing most of the business. Nowadays, we have some some real top flight talent, mm -hmm. whereas people just weren't, weren't into it at that time. Um, in terms of 
you know, I've never really kind of gone into other markets necessarily just because I felt like my plate was so full mm-hmm. right here. I do find that um, the relationships between Youngsville, Broussard, Karen Krog, you know, these cities has changed substantially. These cities are players. Mm-hmm. They're no longer just outliers. Mm-hmm. They're players, and they understand it. And they're absolutely fabulous to deal with. You're talking about some real bright, new, uh, very uh, neat uh, groups that they're putting together, both between the engineering groups and their mayor presidents and all their councils. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. very impressive. Really, the past 10 years, you've seen those uh, towns explode, especially north. Yeah. You know, Karen Crow was such a sleepy hamlet, just a beautiful place. And Mm -hmm. it's. Booming yeah. because of that I forty nine corridor, and it, it it's so healthy to go visit a c- city of Scott. Let's just say yeah. Scott, the and city Curtis of Scott Morrison. builds a road. They could see that road paying for itself in two years. Mm-hmm. Lafayette is big enough, and and I say this positively. It's so big that when we build a road, we cannot see that correlation so definitely mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they can. You know, they'll say, well, that goes into the general fund. Yes, we'll have some improvements built on the road. And yes, we'll get more tax dollars. And that's the way we'll pay for the road. But but in Scott, mm-hmm. they understand. Purvis Morrison is really, uh, I don't know if you've met him, Jason, yeah. but with Apollo Road being extended, people will be able to get off the interstate in Scott, cut through, be smack dab in the middle of Lafayette, you know, oh, wow. South Lafayette. And um, he's, he's, I don't want to say aggressive, but he's very astute. In partnering with private yeah. business and, and getting rights away and moving forward. Oh, yeah. That road is going to change yeah. things. I mean, imagine getting off of the interstate at the roundabout right in Scott. Mm-hmm. You keep going straight, and you go mm-hmm. across the railroad tracks, and you just stay on that road. It'll bring you to Rue de Villiers, which is Acadiana High School. Yeah. That road will go directly to Acadiana. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be a game changer. Yeah. Right yeah. now, you're having to go down Dulles, take a left on Westmark, take another left on uh, you know mm-hmm. through the city. That's going to be a game changer. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's going to make... Because to go to Scott, uh, just depending on where you are in town, sometimes that can be a trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot going on. It's uh, it's fun to watch, but they are astute. Uh, the small towns have been taking time to plan for their growth. Mm-hmm. You know, doing a new city plan, uh, coming up with flexible zoning mm-hmm. that Lafayette, you know, uh, hasn't done as much. We've had plans looked at, but they've... They've seen the growth coming, and they've moved forward. And I think having a smaller council in smaller cities, sometimes it's easier yeah. to make you know to make those quick adjustments that you're talking about. So, right. Makes yeah. Sense. yeah, yeah, well, yeah you've true. seen a lot of growth. Yeah, I well, think so. We'll see more of it too. Yeah. One thing I meant to mention. If, I, I'm, I'm done. Thank yeah, you. I'm yeah. jumping in. No problem. I meant to ask you about the food hub, uh, your property in uh, North University. Is that still? Are you still involved with that? Uh, with I am. Zach McMath? How's that going? Let me tell you something. This is right north. This kid, yeah. Zach McMath, uh-huh. is a star. Is he? He's doing so much for this city. I mean, granted, we've had a year and a half of, of, of a lot of heartache. He is meeting with incredible. I think he met with 160 people last year who wanted to incubate ideas in the food culture. He is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I mean, my partners and I would have probably, 
you know, thought twice about continuing in a free relationship for this long. Is that what it is? It you, is. You're, you're, right, right now it is. Uh-huh. I mean, it was not anticipated to be. But that's you know, helping our culture. I'm going to tell you, if it were not for this kid, mm-hmm. I would never. He is a star. Mm-hmm. And to have him, and he's paying for it himself. I mean, he he's not making any money. I mean, he hadn't paid himself a salary yet. But he works in the morning so that he can work in the afternoons on the food hub. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard of it, you need to. It is incubated FDA kitchens where people can go and incubate an idea, any idea in the food culture. Mm-hmm. Everything from catering companies, we are the commons area for these uh, food trucks. But if you have an idea and you want to try it out and you want to get it off the ground in a business mm-hmm. sense, you can go into one of those kitchens. We have all of the large quantity, uh, large quantity mixers and, and pots and pans and confection ovens and everything that you would need. And you pay a, f- a small fee to be able to use that kitchen for eight hours or four hours or whatever you want mm-hmm. to incubate your idea and see if it's worthy. So it's a low risk. Oh, it's, it's so smart. Mm-hmm. And this is who we are, the food culture. Right. Right. Uh, he thought of it. You know, he started off kind of talking about making sandwiches for his dad's vending business mm-hmm. and has incubated this idea and what he's doing. He, we're one of the only people in the country that have what we have. Right. We've now got, you know, the uh, all the different um, regulatory bodies. That was very difficult to kind of get over that and understand mm-hmm. how to do it and get them to understand who we were with these kitchens that we were renting out to different people. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, he's a star, and it's going to it's going to be great. Well, he wouldn't be doing this without you, and I, I understand what you're saying. This is our culture, and, you know, hats off to oh. Zach McMath, but also to you um, for doing this for people. Well, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> I'm telling you, Zach makes it fun. I'm, he is just so good. If y'all ever have an idea on the food front, uh-huh. he's the guy to call. He's just talking to people all over the country, and they love what we are. It, it, we didn't get the support to the kitchens just because I just don't think enough people heard about it and mm-hmm. and knew how it could help them and knew what they could incubate. I mean, he's we're trying to do these virtual restaurants where at night you come in, you want to have a restaurant, we'll advertise it for you, and then they'll cook and the waiter will deliver it to them. And Isn't that cool? you got yeah. no way to lose. I right. mean, just if you have an idea and you mm-hmm. want to try something, come. We just, we're open-minded. We want people just to... Start to get uh, yeah. maybe something off of their chest that they've always wanted to do, a yeah. recipe in the family. Crawling uh, recipe or, you know. Yeah. I need to get Zach on the show. Let him talk about this. He he will be a tremendous yeah. guest. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad um, you brought that up. And thank you for what you do, Hammy. Mm, thank yeah. you. You're an energy. Um, you're just full of energy and, and life. And you represent Acadiana. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Great place to be. Grateful to have Hammy Davis, a longtime commercial realtor with Ladder and Bloom, on the show today. And I'd like to thank uh, Raider Solutions and Jason Sikora for producing Discover Lafayette. We've enjoyed uh, great success with with you, Jason, and I'm I'm grateful for, for what you do to help the show. And I'd like to thank you for listening. This show and all of our shows can be found on discoverlafayette.net. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcast. And uh, on behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you. Thank you.